0: There's a problem in the church today and the problem really revolves around the idea that we believe that God is, is loving. We believe that He's loving and so we believe that we can do whatever we want whenever we want to. We can act however we want, and we set aside the idea that God is holy. We set aside the idea that he is is truly just. We set aside the idea that his love is expressed in his wrath. The idea of God's wrath is not something that we love to really concentrate on. In fact, many people deny it. There's all kinds of weird theologies that people try to make up to get around passages in the scriptures that talk about the wrath of God. And they use passages like this to communicate this idea that God, well, God is love and so God can't have wrath, but they don't understand that God's wrath is an expression of His love. They don't understand that God is love, and so therefore, everything that He does is loving. Every part of who He is is love. And so, what we try to do so many times is either just kinda negate the idea of God's holiness, and we really try to concentrate on God's love oftentimes. I was just listening to D.A. Carson, who's a theologian and um, just an incredible teacher. And he was talking about the idea, like, in, in years past, there have been periods in the church where the, the idea of the holiness of God was accentuated over and above the love of God. And so, therefore, you had this holy God that was not really loving, or at least that's what we were communicating in the church we were talking about the holiness of God, the holiness of God, and you just feel beat down and beat down and beat down and never really experience the love of God. But that's not really the issue today. The issue today is that we're accentuating the love of God at the expense of the holiness of God. We're, we're loving the love of God, and, so, and, and therefore what takes place in our lives is an insufficient view of who God is. See, what you believe affects how you act. You are a living expression of the theology that you have about God. And some of you are like, hey, I haven't been to theology school or what have you, but then you'll make assertions about God. That's a theology. You are a living expression of the theology that you have. And bad theology creates bad Christians. Bad theology makes people think that they're Christians when they're not sometimes. Bad theology does not really help us when we go to the scriptures and we say, I want, this, I want the scriptures to say this. I want to create a God in my own image. Forgetting the reality that we have been created in the image of God. We have been created in His image. And instead, so many times we try to create a God in our own image. And as a result, what we find out is that we have an insufficient view of who God is. I want to take you to the passage. It's uh, 1 John chapter 4. Verses 7 through 21 here. And uh, let me read that for us. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Big word, I'll come back to it. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another... must also love his brother. Some pretty intense stuff there. This is the third time that John really uh, concentrates on love. We'll repeat some of the same themes today. I think what John wants us to get, and I think what God wants us to get, is this idea of the the necessity of loving our brother and ultimately understanding how to love our brother. that, That could be a local brother in our local church but it could mean somebody who is not a believer. The first position is that it is with people in the local church. But then the second is within our community. Now, let me just say this, that uh, the church is not known for love oftentimes today. If we were, there would be a much different viewpoint of who the church is uh, on some level. Not always, but on some level, there would be a different viewpoint. But within the church, we've talked about this uh, before, let's continue to repeat it. And that is that there can be fights, there can be arguments, there can be a lack of love. I don't really like that person, don't really wanna hang out with that person, don't really wanna spend time with them. And what that shows is this, it shows a lack of understanding of who God is. I don't wanna hang out with that person because of the things that they do. I don't, I, I, and at times there can be shunning that happens. This person is struggling with this sin and so therefore I'm not going to spend time with that person forgetting the things about God the way that he has taken us in. Outside of the church, there is this vitriol and this anger and this hatred, especially right now with this insanity about Nike and Colin Kaepernick and, and all of that stuff. Christians have no business being involved in it because it's not loving it's not loving it's it's absurdity upon absurdity do you see the outrage culture that we live in is this a culture of love is it a culture of love it is not it is not every day there's a new reason to be outraged And either conservatives are outraged or liberals are outraged. I'm not saying anything about those positions. I think both of those positions have validity. They're people. And if we love people, then we're going to love both of those positions for various reasons. But we're also not going to engage in those positions. I I was not even planning on talking about this. I've read one article about this insanity. I just keep seeing the titles of the articles and I just... I I don't want to be involved. Do you see that? That this idea of we have to love and yet the church is like one of the major offenders. There's a Christian college over somewhere that just said okay we're getting rid of our jerseys because they have the Nike logo on them. This is representing Christianity guys. What if Christians were known for love What if we loved conservatives, but we also challenged conservatives? What if we challenged the prevailing idea that Christians are conservatives and everything that they do is right? What if we challenged that idea and we said, you know what, we we love these people. There are some stances that conservatives take sometimes that a a Christian can back. But what if we also loved the liberal side of things or the, the independent or whatever you wanna call it? What if we love the fact that they love people? What if we love the fact that they love grace? What if we loved what Jesus loved, which was loving people who are less fortunate? That would be the sojourner, the immigrant, but it would also be the unborn What if what if we acted like Jesus? That's that's why we need to talk about this. I I, I just realized that. That's that's what's going on here. Beloved, let us love one another. I put in your mind right now where the hate comes from, or the at least the perceived hate. I don't hate anybody. Well, with your words, you're saying that you hate. With the way that you I'm not saying that everybody in here is, is a pitchfork carrying. Nike hater, Uh, (laughs) uh, um, uh, I'm not sure I have a stitch of Nike clothing, Um, surprise, surprise, but um, uh, I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is that all of us have some area or another where we are not loving. And so we need to hear that. Beloved, let us love one another. Now, so let's talk about that for just a second. All of humanity has the capacity to love because they have been endowed by the Creator as an act of what is called common grace with the ability to love. What that means is that people, Christian or not, have the ability to love on some level imperfectly because they are created in the image of God. And that is called common grace. Common grace are things like the idea that we don't support Murder, Like if you kill somebody most people believe like you should probably uh, Be penalized for that in some way or another. That's common grace. That's that's God's law That's been written on our heart that says okay in order to keep some type of um, You know peace in society there has to be these kinds of things common grace uh, is You know rain falling and watering the ground watering crops. That's that's God's common grace He's the one that causes it He's the one that allows it to take place. And so he allows that to fall on the evil as well as the good, the Christian as well as the non-Christian. So that's common grace. So the ability to love comes from God, even for non-believers, even for people who are not Christians. That ability comes to them. However, it's an imperfect love. What this is saying is that as we grow and as we are sanctified, we become perfected in love. And so he is saying that we should love one another um, as a result. The word love occurs 32 times between verse uh, 4, 7, and 5, 3. 32 times. It occurs 43 times in the entire letter. John's word to us, God's word to us today is saying that we must love other people. This has got to be an amazing thing that happens as us with us. And the reason why is this is because for love is from God. The reason why we must love is because love is from God. It comes from him. It is his common grace. And then he says this, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So there's a type of love, there's a deeper love than what we see in the world on a day-to-day basis. There's a type of love that signifies the idea that we have been born again. Now you've probably heard of the term born-again Christian, those kinds of things. But what it's saying is this, is that we must be born of God. We've got to be birthed of God. And what that looks like is this, is that we become a part of the family of God. We're adopted into His family and what takes place is now we become a child of God. We're not all children of God. Some of us are children of the devil because we don't know God. That's a hard statement. That's what the Scriptures communicate. But when you become a believer in Jesus Christ, you are born of God. So what that means is that now we have God as our father, God the father. And so as our father, now we have a spiritual DNA in us that if it is truly in us, it will work itself out in our life. It's like my children and the traits that they, that they are expressing and, and things of that nature. And it's, it's just funny to watch how they uh, start to look like you and how they um, act like you and do things uh, like you do them. And it's very cool because, you know, they're, they're like I, I try to teach my, my sons and, and really all of, all of my kids, my sons and my daughters, uh, hard work. And so when they begin to work hard or they begin to, to love each other or when they begin to do things that I've asked them to do, And I begin to see them um, accentuating these traits that I believe are positive. And I say, yes, they're following my direction. They're walking with me. That means they're born of me. They're acting like a son or they're acting like a daughter. And this is what takes place with God. This is what takes place with us, with this spiritual birth. And as a result, what we see is that we know God. Now, we don't know God because we love. We know God, and as a result of knowing God, we begin to love. We begin to love. We begin to act like a child of God. So then he says something negative here. Verse 8, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Like, if you're not loving, and this is where people really get hung up, is like, I'm a loving person. I do all kinds of nice things. We're not talking about everyday love. We're going to explain what love looks like a little bit more here in just a second. But we're not just talking about everyday love. We're talking about a special kind of love that's accentuated here in just a moment. But he says this. He says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Now, there are some theologies that will twist that. These are theologies uh, that would call themselves, uh, maybe progressive or something like that. And they would switch that around. They would say, not just that God is love, but love is God. Love is God. And so they operate their life by an ethic of love. So you begin to talk to someone about whether they are a Christian or not. And so they'll begin to talk like this they'll so say you know what i try to treat people with kindness you know i just try to do the right thing and i try to you know i you know i'm a pretty good person i try to i, I try to help people you know i just helped this person the other day i gave him 50 bucks i saw this homeless guy or this gal and i gave him a ride or i gave him 50 bucks and i said go go feed yourself and here's the thing about that though is that what that is saying is not that god is love but that love is god what you said is that love is your god And not that God is love see this is what David Allen says he says love doesn't define God God defines love God cannot fall in love he is love God cannot fall in love for the same reason water can't get wet it is wet You see what that says? God embodies love. He is the definition of love. As our Father, He is the one who is showing us love, and that's what He's going to get into here in just a second. So here's the thing. God is love is not the only thing that describes who God is. This is another way that we go off course here. We say, well, God is love, and so he would never judge me, and so therefore I can do whatever I want, sleep with whoever I want, do whatever I want in my business, treat people unkindly. God is love, and so that's that's fine. But God also but it also says this in John's writings that in John 4 24, God is spirit. So God is not just love, he's spirit. And there's all kinds of definitions we can give to that, but God is spirit. First John 1 John 1.5, it says, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. God is light. What's that saying? It's talking about the holiness of God. It's talking about how, how incredibly righteous he is. So he's not just love, but he is spirit and he is light. See, we take love... At the expense of all of the other traits that are talked about in the scriptures and that's one of the major downfalls that we have so the first two verses there we saw love personified this is who God is it is love personified the second thing is this is that we see love performed look at verse 9 this is love performed in this the love of God was made manifest, was seen, was made visible among us, that God sent. Stop right there. Okay, so in this, the love of God was was made visible to us because of what God did. God's love is, we're able to see God's love not because of what we're doing, but because of what God is doing. What is God doing? God is ascending. God. He's a missionary God. He is one who is sending. And what is he sending? Look right here. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Okay, so that's pretty crazy. God performs love in this way. The love of God is shown to us through, as send, through the fact that he sent not just any son, but his only son into the world. And it is in and through that, through that act, that you and I are actually able to live. So God's love comes to us through what? The incarnation. What's the incarnation? It's a theological word for the idea that the son of God, who is eternally existent, he is with God. He was God, as John says in John one one. And he comes down in the form of a baby. In the form of a baby, he is, uh, he is birthed through Mary. By the power of the Holy Spirit, she conceives. He is birthed through Mary. He uh, grows up to be a man, and he lives a perfect life. It is through the incarnation. The act of Jesus coming, the Son of God, is... The first area that we need to look at, we need to say, here is the reason why God is so loving. You have to look at Jesus. You have to see Jesus. Remember what we said last week, and that is everything rises and falls on the idea of who do you say that Jesus is? Is he just a person? Was he just a movement leader? Was he just someone who is really nice, a great, uh, a great teacher? those kinds of things, or is he the Son of God, God in the flesh, who has come in order to go to the cross in our place for our sins? Who is he? Think about that for a moment. Jesus was sent into the world in order that others might live through him. He has shown us love. He is the expression of God. God has sent you, if you're a believer, into the world as a sent one, as a a missionary in your everyday life in order that others might live through Jesus, but even in through yourself. You're not saving them. Jesus is the one that's saving them, but it is the act Of going to them it's going to be a part of them it's the incarnation it's embedding yourself in their life it's being a part of what they're doing how can we do that when we're making angry posts about Nike how can we do that when we're making angry posts political posts regardless of what side you're on how can we do that the second way that we see love performed is in verse 10 and it says, in this is love. Not that we have loved God. Stop right there for a second. In this is love, not that we have loved God. Now think think about this. This is not about your love for God. It's not about that. God doesn't need your love. God doesn't need your love in order to show love to you. God doesn't need you to love him. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent. But that he loved us and sent. So look at, look at who Jesus is. Jesus is... Uh, uh, or I should say God, uh, generally speaking, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but God is the one who loves us, and through that loving, He sends. So it's not just that He says that He loves me, it's that He shows me that He loves me. This is the problem in our relationships. I say that I love my wife, but the things that I'm doing are not showing love. I say that I care about the people at my work, but yet I'm not showing that I love the people at my work. I say that I love people of all races and all colors and all all kinds of things, and yet I don't show that love. In fact, sometimes I show disdain for them. You shouldn't be angry about that. You shouldn't be living like that. No, we didn't love God. That's not what came first. God doesn't love me because I I, I loved him first. It's the other way around. It'll it'll say that more specifically in a second. But he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And that doesn't sound incredibly uh, controversial, but it is controversial. And you should get it in your mind that that this is somewhat controversial. and, And so we need to recognize that. What does propitiation mean? Propitiation means to appease someone's wrath. It is the appeasement of wrath. Read it again in context here. He says, He loved us, God loved us, and sent His Son to be the appeasement of wrath for our sins. What's that telling us? It's telling us, first of all, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. I have sin. I am a sinner. I struggle. I battle. You struggle. You battle. We are sinners. We are people who do not act in the way that God wants us to act. As a result of our first parents, Adam and Eve, all of us have become sinful. All of us have taken on original sin. It is through our first parents we're acting like our first father, that's Adam. And so we're carrying out the deeds of Adam. Adam's DNA is in us. It is, in that DNA, is sin. And as a result, what happens is that I am a sinner. I continue to sin over and over again. And so that sin is working its way out uh, out in my life. And so, first of all, we're a sinner. Secondly, what we must know about this is that there is wrath for sin, There is wrath for sin. Do you believe that? God would never... Statements that say that are really bad, by the way. Anytime you start a statement with God would never, you got to be careful. God would never... Send anyone to hell. God would never condemn me, judge me. He's just there to love me. It's like a grandma who just puts up with all of your stuff and my stuff. My son is looking at his grandmother. (laughs) Yeah, she does. She does. It's, it's that we don't see God as having just righteous wrath for our sin. See, God is love, but his love includes the idea that he is also light. And in his light is no darkness at all. So one person describe it in this way. let's say that the, the fella that shot up the theater a few years ago and killed so many people, let's say that he were to go to court and the state of Colorado were to just clear him and just say, you know what? It's fine. Have a good day. I mean, there's been multiple shootings since then. If we were to just say, you know what? It's, it's fine. You know what? We're, we're feeling gracious today. The law has given us this out, which is you know, what, here's a get-out-of-jail-free card. What you and I would say is that this is absolutely unjust, that someone can sit in a, in a building and take aim, or that you could walk into a theater and take lives. And we would say, it's absolutely unjust, and that's because it is unjust. That would be unjust. The act that they performed was unjust. And God as the righteous judge, God as as the only one who is able to see our hearts and to know what's going on and is able to stand over us and say that this is righteous or that this is sinful, God is the one who is able to declare and to rightly show his wrath. He's the only one who can rightly do that. So when it says that He loved us and He sent His Son to be the appeasement of His own wrath, like that's crazy. What you have to get out of that is that I am somebody who deserves the wrath of God. God is so holy and so righteous and so just. He not only judges The mass murderer, indeed, he judges the mass murderer in thought. Jesus says if you hate somebody, it's the same as murdering them. How many people have I murdered in traffic? A lot. How many people did you murder this week through your hatred of them? God's righteous anger, his righteous wrath is expressed towards you and I. And it's impending upon us. It's coming down on us. But what he has done, how he has loved us, is that he has made a way for his wrath to be appeased. And he sacrifices himself. This is another big theological concept called penal substitutionary atonement. Penal because it is a penalty. It is a righteous penalty that we deserve. Substitutionary meaning that someone else takes the wrath, takes the place. Atonement meaning it's completely done with. Don't let anybody tell you anything different. This is the way that atonement works. This is what happened and what John is saying here is that God's love is expressed in a doctrine just like that. The doctrine of penal, substitutionary, atonement. I am unrighteous. I deserve the wrath of God. I deserve to be dead. I deserve to go to hell. Dia Carson again was talking about how people sometimes say, you know, I... Cannot seem to forgive myself for the things that I've done. I just can't seem to sense the love of God because I just feel like I've done I've, I've done so many things wrong. And if you knew all the things that I've done wrong, you would know that I am not lovable by God. And D.A. Carson says, please do not ever tell somebody, don't ever say to somebody, you know what, you're not that bad. You're not Hitler, you know, or just, you know, you're not ISIS. I know a lot of people that are much worse than you. D.A. Carson says, don't ever say that. Here's what you say. My dear friend, you are only aware of the smallest amount of your wretchedness. If you only knew how wretched you actually were, you would think that it was even beyond that. Ladies and gentlemen, Here's the thing. If you do not understand how sinful you are, you will never understand the love of God. The closer you get to God, the greater His holiness becomes. And you realize as you compare yourself to God, when you get close to God and you see how incredible God is and you see how amazing He is and you see His righteousness as you study His word, as you get to know Him, as you get to uh, 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 love Him what's happening is this is that you're being exposed i'm being exposed see the christian life is not one of like oh see i'm i'm so much better and i'm so much better and i'm so much better really what's happening with the christian life is not that we're beating ourselves down but we're becoming aware of all of the areas that i have been sinning against god all along and never even realized it perhaps Not only are the things that I'm aware of sinful towards him and deserving of wrath, but everything in my life you could point to and you could say, This is something that is sinful and is deserving of wrath. It's the way that I treated a friend. It's the way that this business deal went out, went down, and I backed out even though I shook hands on it. It's the way that I was sleeping with this person when I shouldn't have been sleeping with him. It's, it's all of this stuff where you we say, well, God is loving and he, do, he doesn't care. No, when you know God, when you see him, when you really understand, you begin to see the holiness of God. You begin to see how amazing he is and you begin to compare yourself and you say, how can I live? How can I possibly go on? How could God ever forgive me? How could God ever allow me to even be close to him? What in the world would he possibly be thinking? Listen to this. In this is love, not that we love God. It's not that you love God. It's not that you're less sinful than anyone else. It's probably that you're more sinful than you ever even Dreamed. And yet, he loved us and sent his son to be the appeasement of his wrath. He loved me so much, he gave up that for me. Don't you see? If you view God as simply just love, well, God is love and he just lets things go. It's the wrong God. That's the wrong team. That's not, that's not it. See, God is love, and he is so loving that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you and for me. The last thing is this, love is perfected. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If God loves us in that way, the only possible conclusion is this. You have to love other people. When you see the depths of your own sin, when you see the fact that you need God so much, there's no other response. When you see that you didn't love God, but God loved you, there's no other response. Like, you've got to love other people. He says in verse 12, Listen to how he's, he's just adding things here about love being perfected in us. This is the outflow of a perfected love. When you get the gospel of Jesus Christ, when you see what he gave up because of my sinfulness, this is what happens in your life as a result. This is not what gets you salvation. This is what results from salvation. He says in verse 12, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides or lives in us. And his love is perfected in us. What's he saying? He's saying, no one has ever seen God, but if you love each other, then this is what can happen. God lives in you. And people are going to see that. No one has ever seen God, but they can see God in you when you love other people. When you act on the gospel in your life, people get to see God. When you act on love, the love of God in your life, people get to see God. That's the difference between a believer and a non-believer. A non-believer loves and they are loved because they're loving. A believer loves because they've been loved, but they don't just love lovable people, they love the most unlovable, the people that tick them off politically. The people, people that vote in ways that they just absolutely hate. The people that hate America. The people that they love, people that seem unlovable to them. Why? Because you were unlovable. I was unlovable before the love of God came and made me lovely. God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. It's like it's, it's become full circle. Instead of being an inadequate reflection of the image of God, instead of being like a funhouse mirror with God, see, that's our job, is to reflect who God is. So when He's our Father, we reflect Him. But when when we are not a believer when we don't know him. When we're acting inappropriately, it's like this funhouse mirror. where Everything's out of focus. It's just weird. But when we see the depths of our own sin, it's, there's this reflection of God. I'm, re- I'm mirroring who God is. I'm not perfect like God is, but his love is perfected in us. Here's another way that love is perfected. Verse 13, by this we know that we abide or live in Him and He in us because He's given us of His Spirit. As a result of knowing God and having relationship with Him, He has given us His Spirit. And His Spirit is there not just to kind of be there and, and just kind of hang with us, but He's there to convict. He's there to drive us towards loving other people. The Spirit of God moves on our heart, and it begins to say, you must, you must love this person. You must go after them, but they feel unlovable to me. But, but Matt, you're unlovable. You're, you're also somebody who was not lovable, and I loved you. You must love this person. This is the Spirit of God working in us. Look at verse 14, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Not only do we believe that the Father has sent the Son, but we testify to it. It's not just that I believe these things about God, but I'm continually testifying to the fact that Jesus is the Savior of the world, and that republicanism is not the Savior of the world, and that liberalism is not the Savior of the world, and that sex is not the Savior of the world, and that money is not the Savior of the world and that power is not the Savior of the world and that my work is not the Savior of the world. I'm testifying to the fact on a daily basis who is your Savior? Who is your King? What dominates your life? I think it's our phones because they hold the keys to all the information. I think in large part, it's devices sometimes. Jesus is the Savior of the world, and we testify to that with our life. Are you testifying that Jesus is your Savior in your life? Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him, and he in God. If you're testifying to this, then what you what you know is this is that God lives in you. You can't testify to that without God being in you and being a part of you. Verse 16. So we've come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Not only do we know the love of God, but we come to believe the love See, knowing and believing seem to be two different things. It's like I can know that God loves me, but I just don't believe it. I can know that, that God is so loving that he sent the Son, but I just don't seem to believe it. Do you see that that is one of the biggest problems in the local church? Like, I know God loves me. I've heard all the stories. I grew up in church since I was a fetus. I've, I've been here constantly, and I, I, just, I know all of this stuff, and yet I just don't believe it. I just don't see it. You you must believe it. And it's not just me saying you must you must see the love of God. You've got to see how God has sent the son to the cross. You got to see the hurdles that were jumped over there. Man, Matt is so jacked up. See, God sees time concurrently. So when he's going to the cross, he knows, he sees, he sees Matt and all of his sinfulness. And yet he says, Matt, I'm going to the cross for you, even though you're jacking things up, and you're just such a moron and everything's falling apart in your life. I'm going to the cross for you. When you see that God goes, God sends the son to the cross even when you're in that situation, then you can come to a point where you say, I, I don't just know it, but I believe the love of God that he has for me. God is love and whoever lives in love lives in God and God lives in him. Do you see what's happening there? And look at what he, he goes to here next. Love is performed, first of all it's personified in God, it's performed by God through the incarnation, through uh, the the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, and then now it's perfected. And this is further perfection. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. The the, the next few verses are amazing, but I just want to try to wrap up with this. God's love becomes perfected in us. And it becomes so perfected in us That what happens is this, is that we have such an amazing confidence for the day of judgment. What's the day of judgment? It is the day that Christ returns. He will judge the living and the dead. Remember the sheep and the goats from Matthew chapter 25? Depart from me, I never knew you, to the goats. To the sheep, he said, come with me. Right? This is the day of judgment. Let me just, let me just ask you this. Do you have confidence for the day of judgment? Or are you someone who would say, you know, I'm really hoping that if that day comes, that I'm that I'm going to be okay. I'm really hoping, and and I've tried to make some adjustments in my life. I've tried to switch some things around. I've tried to act loving towards people. Man, let, let me tell you that love is your God. God is not love to you. Love is your God. You're trying to worship love. And the thing that you do not see is God's incredible love for you through the Son on the cross because of your (coughs) horrendous sin and my horrendous sin. You don't have the slightest clue. If all you can say is that you hope that you have relationship with God so that you make it through judgment day, if all that you can say is that you do not Know the love of God and do you know what happens as a result you cannot love People with the love of God if you don't have it because the love of God when it comes to you Expresses itself in a sacrificial love It expresses itself in a sacrificial love because Jesus sacrificed himself He sacrifices himself so much And as a result, what happens in your life is that you begin to sacrifice yourself for the people closest to you and for the world so that they could see it. And you don't get that because of this. You do not have confidence in who God is. And the day of judgment is coming, and I want to tell you, friend, that you do not know who God is if you do not have confidence. Your confidence must come from a firm belief that Jesus was sent by the Father. That he is God in the flesh. And that he came and he died on the cross. And when he died on the cross, he, that wasn't just a sacrificial thing like, this is how much I love you. I just died for you. But it has no meaning unless what that means is ultimately that he paid the penalty that I deserved, that I that God rightly put on my head. That God rightly was going to condemn me with that He took that. You don't know love if you don't know that. Now, here's the, here's, here's the good news. The good news is this. Today is the day. Now is the time of salvation, Paul says. Right here and right now. You don't have to wait. You don't have to know anymore. You don't have to be a better Christian. You don't have to know more about the Bible. You don't have to know about anything. You will learn about those things if you become a Christian. But you, right, right this second, you do not have to know any more than what you know right now, which is what I've told you, and that is that God sent Jesus to the cross. And he went to the cross not just to be nice, not just to be a good example, not just that, but to pay for my sin and for your sin on the cross. And when you can testify to that and you say, I see God's love through that, I trust that event, I trust that he did that for me, Here's what happens in your life. His love is perfected in you. You become a Christian, you are born again. And now you know God. If you're trying to love without the love of God, it will not happen. Guys, I think I struggle struggled with preaching this passage because I just don't get it still. So I'm with you. I'm with you. Like, do we need to hear about love again? Gosh. I don't really like the idea of love, if I'm honest. I like the idea of aggressive behavior. I like the idea of getting things done quickly with the least amount of people getting in my way. I need this passage again and again and again. And guess what? You need this passage too again and again and again. And I want to tell you that if we as a church can understand the love of God on that level, we're going to start sacrificing on even greater levels. We're going to start sacrificing in order to serve our city. We're going to start sacrificing through here at the local church, loving each other by joining a team. What does joining a team mean? Joining a team means this, that you love the people in your church that you want to share the load. You want to share the load of, what's going, of what God is doing here. The whole purpose of the church is so that God's people would come together and serve together and use their gifts. If you're just coming, that's not really loving people. Loving people says, I wanna participate with you. That's what part of this join a team campaign is. We should call it, be a Christian campaign, right? Act like somebody who loves people, that kind of thing. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. If you do, you should sign up, but I don't want you to feel guilty even though we can do that. I'm just telling you that this is a part of love. It's a part of love. The, the, the love that we show in our community extends to Richmond Elementary with a soccer, a soccer club that we can't seem to fill with volunteers. And it's because we lack love. I lack love. The, our lack of love extends to all kinds of things that, that are going on. I'm not saying that everything's falling apart. It's not falling apart. If you've been here before, you know that there was a wall there last week. Me and Brandon, one of the other uh, leaders here, took the wall out. And that's because, so we can fit more people here. Now all the chairs are full. What are we going to do now? We've been, we, we've been loving... There's good things going on. People are being loved here. That's good. But listen, we can't stop with that. We can't stop with that. we got to love people. How are we loving people as a church? We're serving our community, we're doing THX, which is coming up here. And THX is, it's hard, it's difficult, but you know what's spoken to our city the most? Is THX. For 10 years, the, 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 we've done this event. The Statesman Journal did an article on us last, last year. That for 10 years, we've done this event. We spent $17,000 of our own money and money that we raised, countless hours of service, to walk into someone's home and love them and say, listen, I just wanna show you the love of God. That we sacrifice not just money and time, but, but we sacrifice time with our family on Thanksgiving morning to come and hand this to you so that you can love and so that you can receive the love of God in this way. Don't you see that everything that we do is about love? And I am such a moron because I don't get it. I don't get it. And you know what? I'm not going to say that you're a moron, but you may not get it either. We got growth... Uh, to see happen in our lives. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I'm I'm praying that your love would just be weighing on our hearts this morning. Lord, that there's people who are enduring waves of guilt in their life because of things that they're involved with. Lord, I'm not asking that you take away the guilt. I'm, I'm praying that you would that you would resolve it with your grace and your mercy, Lord, that they'd sense your mercy, your grace when the time is right for them to experience your gospel in that way. Lord, that they would see your great holiness, and as a result, their great sinfulness and their need for a savior, Lord, that they would receive you by faith right here and right now, Lord, that they would just pray to you and say, I want you, I, I see my own sinfulness, I see where I've been. I, 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 I know that I need a Savior. And Jesus, I believe that you are God in the flesh, that you came and you died on the cross, and I want to live for you, Lord. I pray that they would pray something like that right now, not because the prayer is effective, but the life that expresses that is effective, and it only happens by the power of the Spirit. Lord, would you do that in our lives here this morning? Lord, for people that believe that they've been Christians for their entire life, and yet sit here this morning and are unaffected, and don't care, and are going to walk out of here and just set this aside. Lord, I pray that you would convict them that they may not even know you today, that they may not have ever received you. Lord, may they seek after you and find you when they have sought you with all of their heart. Lord, would you assist them in that by the power of your spirit. It's in your name we pray. Amen.